Convenience Store Woman is a 2016 novel by Sayaka Murata. You're listening to The Apartment Library. And it was translated from the Japanese and republished in 2018. Translated by Jenny Tapley Takemori, who I guess is half Japanese. That's a weird thing to say. Why the fuck would I say that? And this lovely short little novel took us by surprise. I'm so glad you found this book. I'm glad you wanted to read it. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, like pretty much all the exposure I have to Japanese novels is... The fuck is his name again? Murakami? Yeah, Haruki Murakami. And yeah, I've read like five or six of his books and like some of them are meh. But most of them are pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. Like they have the thing that this novel, Convenience Store Woman, had that I love when a book does that to me where it I feel like it brands my memory. It I feel like it will forever live in my mind. Oh, that's cute. I love it when a book does that. Like it, mm -hmm. it just sticks with me for a long time. Even if you forget the finer details of it, it just like creates such an ambiance. It creates such believable characters. Even though the characters in this novel, like pretty much the two main characters, are super out there. Mm -hmm. They're like really uncommon people. You yeah. Know? They're not characters you're going to like encounter on the street every any other day they're not archetypal people right? yeah 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 it was a really unique book and like you said it was super short so it, it almost felt like a short story kind of although it's not it's it's a novel yeah when i um, saw the page count i was surprised i was like okay we're gonna read this in like about 45 minutes i guess and it, it probably is it is a novella i guess it's not a novel well it does on the cover it does say a novel so Oh, well, that, according a, to someone, it's enough. <laughs> burn it down now. Yeah. Uh, I do have to say, if we're going to start with our nitpicky nitpicks, is that the translation, full disclosure, I don't speak Japanese, so it's kind of rich. However, I am somewhat of a translator, and I do feel like the translation could have used a bit of a polish. I don't speak Japanese, but I speak English, and I understand idiomatic english in a lot of the sentences in this translation were not idiomatic no yeah and like you said it's we don't we can't read the original japanese version so it's hard to know what the original was we can try but, but there were some i agree there were some sentences that didn't sound like proper english it, it sounded like someone who is not like a fluent English uh, speaker. Yeah, or not native English speaker at least, not yeah, someone who's... That's idiomacy. That's yeah. like the language being spoken naturally and fluently by someone who lives mm -hmm. in that language, who lives their lives in their language. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, there was one line I told you before, but it was repeated a few times. It was a tagline that they say at the store as employees. Thank you for your custom. Oh, yeah. And I just didn't know what that meant. That's so funny. Yeah, I guess they are customers, so I it's mean, like they're bringing their custom to yeah, the like, like, like Nobody I'm, says that. Definitely not in the West. Maybe in like I'm just not. Countries. Maybe I'm not aware of the what the word custom means in that scenario. But it sounded like they were just trying to say thank you for your business. Yeah. So thank you for your custom. I don't know what that meant. I just, it's exactly the same thing. It's just that like there's one 
let's say, correct way of saying it because it's idiomatic. It means yeah. that's the way that everyone says it. The other one isn't grammatically wrong. It isn't semantically wrong. It isn't syntactic. <laughs> syntactically, fuck that word, wrong. <laughs> but it's wrong to say it in that way. Yeah, right? it stands out. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, in a way, it kind of lent a little bit of charm to the book. Yeah, kind it, of. It wasn't lacking in charm, this book, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so to the meat of the matter, spoilers ahead. If you haven't read the book, and this is a short book, so like, just we're, read we're, it. We're going to spoil the fuck out of it in about 0.3 seconds now. Um, <laughs> how does the expression go? Like 3.5? No, like T minus T minus three, three seconds. seconds. There you go. <laughs> three minus three, one, four, five. There you go. I know my numbers. Mm-hmm. The title says it all Convenience Store Woman. Woman works at convenience store the end yeah that's the book but yes it essentially follows keiko Keiko. and she's this woman in her mid-30s she's never been in a relationship she's obviously not married doesn't have kids didn't go to school didn't go or did she try and then she dropped out or something anyway she doesn't have a a formal post-secondary education and she's been working at this convenience store part-time since she was 18, I believe. Yeah, she worked there for 18 years. So, yeah, she's been working there for 18 years. And it's essentially a story about her and the pressures that she feels from people around her to get a real job, to get married, all that stuff to kind of fit into the mold. And she's just happy working as a convenience store worker. She loves it. She's dedicated. She's talented. Yeah, she does have that. And she's such a good character in that, like, she is tremendously unique. She is, you know, another great example of an author trying to portray a sympathetic version of the other. Seeing the other and empathizing with them. Mm -hmm. Sympathy and empathy are so fucking close. Like, somebody's going to send us an email about this. (laughs) Um, But she is kind of a stand-in for what the author wants to say about the pressures and the ironies of society and the ridiculous things that society expects from us all and the pressures that we put on each other undue pressures very often and that keiko is different she's tremendously unique and that you know people see her as being wrong and they feel sorry for her and she's just perfectly happy i mean I would love to work a part-time job that is kind of cute like that and be able to afford my own place. I don't know what the housing situation is in Japan, but that's not going to fucking happen over here. <laughs> no, like it's, it's you can't just work part-time at a convenience store and have your own apartment. I mean, her apartment wasn't luxurious. It was infested with cockroaches like they mentioned that at a certain point in the yeah, extra protein, man. And yeah, it didn't sound very big, but at least she's able to sustain herself and she's happy yeah exactly everybody's like what's the deal with you what's wrong with your life are you not and i feel like the author did such a great job of putting forth that those two options are the only two options you have you either get a quote-unquote real job or you get married and there's a difference between like the roles 
that men and women will fulfill, but they're obviously wrapped around this dichotomy. And then comes Shiraha, who's a fucking dick, but he's the other end of the spectrum, right? It's this really strange character, and he just expunges like all the same things that she experiences from the world, but from a lens of hate. He just comes at it with all the frustration and anger that someone who is aware of these things and is bothered by them would feel and express, right? As opposed to Keiko, who is like, I don't give a fuck, really. She doesn't, I mean, it's kind of like she's immune to the psychological anguish of not being a quote-unquote full member of society like fulfilling her role in society but she does want to kind of appear normal and it, 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 not in a way like you know she's not desperate to seem normal so not like she's you know but she wants her sister to help her out it's just so that she, people don't bother her yeah pretty much exactly. she's tired of people feeling sorry for her and prying and trying to help even though she's totally happy living how she is yeah she doesn't yeah, she, like you said, she's not desperate to, like, get married and have a baby or something. She's She likes her life. She just wants people to stop talking about it and stop feeling sorry for her and trying to fix it. You catch, like, her descriptions of the baby? They're fucking hilarious. It reminds me of a story. Because uh, she sees her, her nephew, her sister's son, and she's like, I don't know why people keep freaking out about this baby. It's just the, like, at first it doesn't even look human. What the fuck is this thing? <laughs> and I was like, that kind of happened to me. Yeah, you, Story you time. identify yeah, yeah. with that. Yeah, exactly. Like, I was six when my younger brother was born. And I remember being across the glass from that room in the hospital. And they bring him over a couple times just to show him to us and you know he's like covered in blood and placenta and like gore and stuff and the umbilical cord sticking oh. out and like i look up at my grandma and like grandma's told us the story like 30 times i look up at, at my grandma and i'm like grandma my brother's a monster <laughs> <laughs> and she says something really really similar in this book she's like i don't know why people are like cooing and going crazy over this baby like the thing barely looks like a fucking human being now that it's like a year old it kind of looks like a human but it's still useless i don't get the point and you know it's, yeah. it's really funny the way that she describes that so many things in this book are described in like a really ironic and like comedic tone yeah well before we move away from the baby thing do you remember there's that line where she's like in her head saying like okay if my sister wants this baby to shut up there's a knife right on the That's table. That's right. Well, she just it drowned was, the baby. It was so weird. Like, this woman was essentially saying, why are people trying so hard to shut this baby up? There's a knife right here. We can use it to shut the baby up. Yeah, like, Did you she's catch like, that? It, it's kind of like, I mean, like, I don't want to, like, paint it in, in, in that light because it's not really the point of the book it's not the no she's not, of the she's not this like psychopath no, no, violent no, no, lady that, that's not what i'm getting at it's that she's like evidently mentally challenged but not in a way that makes her dysfunctional no it's not like or, a disability she just kind exactly. of interacts with the world differently yeah and for instance like it was so 
strange how she is led by this ridiculous logic of Shiraha to quit her job essentially you know what once he says you have to like get a better job and essentially sustain me you have to get a better job you have to quit the part-time convenience store job and she's like that's that's true it makes sense and even though she's happy even though she enjoys the convenience store even though she's like perfectly fit for that and she has been in harmony with the world aside from these ridiculous expectations which the book does such a great job of putting them in that light that they are largely ridiculous in that society and obviously this is like a kind of a caricature of it and the irony is palpable and cranked up to 11 although it works you know it, it doesn't feel ridiculous it just it just is it's very palpable yeah right? but i wonder though because we we obviously are not familiar with japanese society so i wonder someone who is japanese if they read this i wonder if if the type of um behaviors that keiko comes into contact with from other people i wonder if that's accurate because sometimes it does seem whoa like these people are so forward they're inquiring about her sex uh -huh. life and all of this creepy stuff like they're so prying into her private life so yeah i mean i'm i would i'd be willing to bet that that aspect of it and though it is culturally different to the west it is still exaggerated to an extent in this novel to drive that point home and i i feel like it worked i feel like yeah it, it, it was done really well to exacerbate the feeling that you would get from people like prying into your life and really analyzing you over analyzing you and criticizing you judging you verbally vocally to your face mm -hmm. and telling you you need to change things and we were talking about this and that that's not exactly how things happen but if you were a 30 something year old working in a part-time job at a convenience store no matter where on the planet you are, people are going to judge you, whether verbally or implicitly. They're, and even, you, you know, like I've worked in, in retail for years and it's not a cool thing to tell people, you know, like you don't, you, there's a difference in feeling between telling people that you work in retail versus that you work at the university or at the bank or at the, business factory. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, there's that kind of veil of judgment that people have and even if you're happy working part-time at a convenience store even if that is enough for you and you're fulfilled and satisfied doing that i just hate the fact that people feel bad for you automatically yeah. they pity you they say oh whether you don't have kids or that you're not married yeah, or like you're not in a people relationship just, people assume that because you haven't accomplished the things that they personally want to accomplish they assume that, oh, you must be so sad and you must be crying every day and you must really want what I have. Oh, poor thing. But in reality, you might be completely happy living the way you are. Mm -hmm. And that's what I love about this book. It's Keiko like was not ashamed of what she did. She was just annoyed at people's reactions. And very mildly, too. She was just kind of like surprised and didn't understand why they were behaving they were 
little why they were behaving the way they were towards her because she was happy and she understood the nuances of the societal expectations to move on and to get a quote-unquote normal job, a real job, is what Shiraha says a bunch of times, like a real job. And not just him, other people, they say the words real job a couple of times, which is really funny. Like that is like, it's still a real job to work at a convenience store. Yeah, it's it's honest work. Any, yeah. As long as it's honest work, it really doesn't matter, but it is so palpable how society like puts the pressure on you and demands that you move on from that sort of position whether it is the convenience store or celibacy or uh, childlessness onto something else so that you yourself may feel fulfilled and obviously it's not like society is sending you emails being like yo did you get a better job already it's your own personal perception of these pressures right and obviously that's not the case with everybody i mean in more, I shouldn't say more, but in in societies where like individualism is championed, let's say, people do seem to have a tendency to express themselves more towards the status quo or against the status quo, let's say, and say, you know, like, I'm not... I guess it used to be, you know, like, I, I don't need to work a nine-to-five job. I can just do something different, or I don't need to be married, or I don't need to be, insert quote here. It could be any number of things, right? Like, it's just, you dial the clocks back 50 years, and fuck, you know, back then it used to be, like, if you're gay, or if you're just not of whatever ethnic background is the dominant in your country or if you are not of the same type of school of thought as most people around you you would be in this position in which like you were othered right and keiko just is kind of devoid of that like she doesn't really like exhibit a apprehension toward apprehension towards the pressures that society puts on her she just doesn't understand it right she serves as this contrarian yet passive, quiet, I don't want to say disapproval, but like disregard for the societal norm and custom. Ah, there's that fucking word again. <laughs> I thought she was crafted in a very unique way. I mean, I, I really don't... Uh, maybe the character from The Strange Case, The Curious Case of The Dog in the Nighttime by Mark Haddon which I think is her first episode. Interesting. <gasps> like, that character is extremely different and unique. And the author made a point of saying, like, yeah, I mean, it obviously kind of seems like he falls within the autism spectrum, but that's not the point. That's not the idea of the book. Same thing here, right? Like, it's never said that, you know, like, she is different, though she is. I mean, like, the very first, like, couple of pages, they like, she starts describing the experiences that she had when she was a kid. And the very first thing that tells you, the reader, that there is something different about Keiko was this very pragmatic, very real, and 
honestly very keen at pointing out like the irony and the hypocrisy of people with the dead bird. You know, she sees a dead bird and says, let's take it to dad. Dad loves to eat dead birds. And everybody's like, the <laughs> fuck is wrong with this kid? She wants to eat a dead bird. Like, you people eat chicken. You eat fucking dead birds all the time. What are you talking about? Yeah, here's, here's your dinner. But yeah, like, obviously, yeah, for sure she is. There is something not normal about her because she even says how she she kind of absorbs how other people talk and act because she doesn't know how to do that herself mm-hmm. like she kind of mimics other people's style of talking mm-hmm. their their tone their just their way of talking yeah. so the, the, she she, she recognizes it she recognizes sorry. it like within herself that yeah. I don't know how to act normally so I I kind of look to other people for guidance but she sees it in other people too, though. She says, like, you know, yes, people who, like, yes. show up to work in the store, like, once they've been here for a few days, like, they're starting to talk like the other coworkers. Mm-hmm. Like, this girl who started working the afternoon shift, she talks like the girls who work in the afternoon shift. Yeah. And it's funny, like, there was another line that made me chuckle. It was, she was talking about how she, she started copying the way this other lady dresses, Mrs... I can't remember Izumi? her name. Yes, Mrs. Izumi. She said, I, I started copying her style of clothing. Because she's a flashy dresser. Yeah, quote, unquote, and then like, dresser. and there's a point where Mrs. Izumi like compliments um, one of her things and says, oh, we have the same style. And then Keiko says to herself, well, I, I should hope so. I'm, I'm copying you, you know? <laughs> or the way that it was written was like almost made me laugh out loud. It was just so funny. Yeah, she's like this like childish childlike behavior in which he's like well yeah duh obviously like we shop at the same stores yeah duh (laughs) so yeah she was a cute like uh keiko is such a cute character Mm -hmm. and it it, her behavior fucking pissed me off when it comes to shiraha and i guess we should like go down the black hole that that fucking dick is so he's this guy that starts to work at the convenience store. Starts and stops. Yes. Like w- within a short breath. His outlook is just so... What I guess what pisses me off about it is that it, it's kind of real, you know? Like, he's kind of like those red pill, like, pickup artist sort of dudes. Yeah, like, yeah. He's like all the bad things rolled into one. He's a nihilist. Yeah. But he's like super resentful of the world it's not like he just gives a fuck because he like makes a show of saying like i don't give a shit and it's all stupid anyway and i love that like he's yeah, like he applied for a job in this company gets the job in that company and then he gets berated by his superior in that company and he says well you are just a lowly manager at this company in which you were just hired underneath him what the fuck do you mean yeah like a lowly work and it's just like this like narcissistic and like tremendously nihilist uh, uh, approach to life and he has like some incel sort of beliefs he's like oh women only go for like the strong hunter dudes and a fucking the stone age everything's yeah like he's he's such an incel in that regard Mm -hmm. like he's yeah, he's pissed that like women don't want him, and but he only wants like beautiful, hot women. Yeah, he's just and, a toxic person. But, yeah, like, I mean, he's a sort of dude who like exact. I mean, and it, it is an exaggerated set of traits put onto one character and cranked up to eleven. But he serves again, just like Keiko does, as a tool to expunge those ideas and those perceptions of like what society expects of you and wants of you. And this is just another character who, like, takes that and 
goes to town with it in a very, very negative and horrible way. Yeah, like he he's similar to Keiko in the sense that he's tired of all these people pressuring him and commenting on his lifestyle. So they have that in common, but he kind of is really bothered by it and he just has this really negative outlook about it. Whereas she kind of just, before he came into the picture, she was just kind of living her life. Yeah, I think... I, I was kind of pissed off that like the, the novel just sort of like followed that that train of thought that it became him manipulating Keiko, even though he's like stupid, literally. And she just kind of like follows him because a lot of the things that he says are logical, they're just like tremendously impractical, right? He's like, okay, sure. Like he, he, I mean, he contradicts himself all the time, but like he's like making all these allusions to the Stone Age and like the strong survive and the fittest survive and the strong man go hunting and the women stay in the kitchen and that's the way it's always been. And now there's big, tall, shiny buildings and all these like technological advances, but society hasn't really advanced anyway. And he's just making excuses for his own inadequacy and his own shortcomings. And Keiko just listens to him and like half the time she doesn't understand what the fuck he's saying. But then he makes these like illogical, twisted fucking thought process conclusions that he's like, okay, well, like when she invites him to go live with, she says, like, okay, let's just come live with me. And that way, all the people that like are in my life and they're grilling me for not having a kid, not being married, not going to school. And there's that weird dichotomy that like, okay, like unless you're like a successful woman in the business world or like you're killing it in your career as a woman, then you must get married. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can't just like be a single woman. But yeah, exactly. But that also that like aspect that like, okay, well, like you must be killing it in some way, but like being married to a dude and your career success and all that shit can go out the window, but it's okay because you're married to a dude who's Mm -hmm. like hopefully successful. Right. And as soon as like they're living together in this hilarious arrangement and people find out about it, they're, they're like, congratulations, yeah, exactly. like you're with they're a man so now. pumped. And it's just so funny because she moved in with this random dude who she hasn't known for very long. And just because all of a sudden she's living with a man, people are so happy for her. They're not concerned like, who is this guy? Is he safe? Whatever. They're just happy that you're with a guy. Yay, that's great. Yeah. Awesome. Even when they find out that it's him, the people at the convenience store who've seen him for a short period of time, but like they've seen him and they know him, they're like, oh, that's kind of weird, but that's sort of okay. Yeah, because congrats. Like, that's what society expects. Like Now that you're together, the fact that you're in a convenience store part-time position type of job and he is a fucking loser who's about to shoot up the entire town doesn't matter because you're getting together and you're going to have babies and that's all that matters right yeah this is weird fucking my you know like the people at the convenience store they express this like ridiculous like outlook on it and they're like i'll just make sure to like bring him out for drinks i'll straighten him out for you but it's not kind of like are you safe are you okay bringing this like terrorist attack waiting to happen <laughs> of a dude to your house is is, is everything cool yeah it's just because she's fulfilling the expectations of society all of a sudden it's a good thing yeah exactly yeah. Right. that that's i mean the novel is obviously like tremendously implausible and it's kind of a fantasy in that way 
But it was so unique and so rich it in was. that in those tones that it it kind of like imprinted in my mind and for it, sure it'll, it'll live with me forever. I and think. I love the scenes where it's just a description of her working at the convenience store and Irashimasu. Yeah, and interacting with the customers and the little tasks that she has to do. Like it seems so fun almost to work in a Japanese convenience store and it, it's so vivid in my mind like I imagine what the store looks like and I don't know if that's how they actually look like in real life but and it's cute because yeah the author either worked or currently works she was working a, at a convenience store three times a week when she was writing the book mm-hmm. that's what it said in the blurb yeah so that's cute too. yeah so it's based it's, on her own experience yeah it? yeah and it just it seems so adorable like to work at the store and you wear your little uniform and Keiko is so obsessed with it she's passionate she loves it she really is and like she's so committed to it like she has to she always like throughout the book it says a few times like her internal thoughts like I I have to eat healthy and sleep enough so that my body is healthy for the convenience store yeah and when she stops working there because this other dick like put his poison in her mind she doesn't eat she sleeps whenever she feels sleepy. She wakes up and eats and goes back to sleep. Mm-hmm. And she's like, she has no reason to stay fit or to get enough sleep or to make sure that she's groomed. Yeah, yeah. She just completely loses, like, control over her life almost. Yeah. It's she, like her, her identity is so tied to the convenience store. Yeah. So in a way, like, if you boil it down, oh, like, in in essence, what I loved about that aspect of, of the novel is that it was... An implicit message, an underlying message about finding things that you love and not giving a fuck about anything else while you're in that, you know? Like, whatever it is that you love and makes you happy, so long as it's not hurting anybody else, please emphasize that. (laughs) You know, like somebody, you know, like a guy's like fucking chopping cats' heads off and shoving them in the freezer and listening to this podcast and going like, yeah, it man, makes this, me happy. This makes me so happy. Like, no, that is not okay. You know, but like that doesn't matter what it is, so long as it's a good thing and it's good for you. And if it's good for the world, then fuck yeah, man. I mean, even if it's like you know, like things that are largely, I guess let's let's use the word selfish in a context that is different from where it's usually used. But like playing video games, it's selfish not in a bad way, but you are attending to your own need to be entertained mm-hmm. watching movies. You know, it doesn't serve any purpose other than to entertain you. But if you love that, if you fucking love that with a passion and you want to watch movies four times a day, not even go into that field, not even make a career out of it. But if you love it with a passion and it makes you happy. It's such a beautiful thing, right? And it can like make such an integral part of you that can guide your life and can make you happy, regardless of what it is, so long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah. And there's like another aspect too that the book raises is kind of like you are just labor essentially for the company too. Like there's a few times in the book where she talked about how I'm only useful as long as my body is still able to do these tasks. Yeah, she's worried that uh, yeah. as she gets older and like, yeah, because like one of the managers had to quit because he hurt his back or he was just getting old and the job was a bit physically demanding and he couldn't put up with it. And she's worried that that's going to happen to her. And she's like, this is the only job I've ever had is the only job I want. 
and that's going to happen to me. I'm going to grow old and eventually I won't be able to do it. Yeah. So there was that aspect of this is still a company that is there to make money. Mm-hmm. And this is still like a capitalist society where you get paid for your labor mm-hmm. and you're only as useful. Yeah. That kind of pissed me off too. It's that like she's worked there for 18 years. She's going through like a shit ton of managers and like Mrs. Izumi has been there, I think, from the beginning, or I'm not sure. No, but I think like, she's for like, a long time. Keiko too. is the only one who's currently working there that's been there since, from the yeah, start. Since it started. Yeah. But yeah, like Mrs. Izumi has been there for a long time. But when she quits, they're all kind of like, okay, bye. bye. Like they're like, oh, it's great to have you working yeah, here. Yeah, but like See you're you. moving on because you're marrying yeah. this fucking <laughs> douchebag and everybody knows him there. They know that he's like the scum of the fucking earth. And they're like, oh, but, like, you're going on to be married and have babies. Yeah, congratulations. Cheerio, fuck, you know? Like, it's just like, oh, my God, that was, you know? Like, if you've worked somewhere for 18 years, for any length of time that is more than a couple years, and, like, you're just like, I'm quitting, and nobody asks you, like, oh, why? Like, what's going on? Or, like, we're going to miss you. Like, I think they tell her, like, thank you. and Yeah, like, they were nice about it. They were like, thank you for your dedication and all that, but... It was a very kind of, okay, bye. Yeah. Also, I mean, it was a part-time job, but I think it's mentioned that, like, once she starts taking an extra shift, she's working, like, five shifts a week. So it's pretty much, like, full-time. Yeah, because she said her only days off are Friday and Sunday. So she's yeah. working five days a week. Like, they could be, like, just not be, like, eight-hour shifts. Long, I yeah. guess, but, I mean, I love what we're, like, dissecting, like, the minutia of this, like, fake character's day. But it makes sense. You know, the point is that yeah. she works there a lot and she's like of tremendous help like she i mean she loves what she does and there's that like bittersweet ending where she goes into that other uh, convenience store and she starts sorting shit out because whoever's running the place it's not doing isn't they're not doing the the best job because at this point she's on her way to an interview for a quote-unquote real job. Yeah, this is after she quit. Yeah, working. And she at sees the-, the convenience store and she starts sorting stuff out. She starts putting the right products in the right places and making like silent decisions about the things that are on sale and what should be presented. And people are looking at her, but she's such an integral part of this mechanism, even though that's not the convenience store where she used to work at, that she's just able to like brush it off and like signal to people and they're like okay she must be from head office or something and she's just in her element and she's into it and the other asshole shows up and is like what the hell and you just sees that like she's doing the thing and like you know she's like okay i'll do leave so yeah at the end she she makes she realizes that this is where i belong this is what i want to do <laughs> i'm gonna start working at a convenience store again and, and screw this real fancy job stuff i'm not into that yeah. i want to work here but she's nice she like makes a point of to call them and co- say, to call yeah. the company say like i'm sorry but like cancel that interview for me yeah. thank you very much i found my thing yeah found my thing again yeah it was a really cute ending like i was so happy for her that she returned back to what she truly wants to do yeah and that is the synthesis of the book or at least what it did for me how i felt about it it was find the things that you love it could be one or it could be ten or it could be you know people and love it and love them to death Mm -hmm. you know like live in it and And don't feel pressure to to change because 
people so deem it not enough stuff. or not prestigious enough or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Although a few things like piss me off because the character that she crafted for Shiraha was just so easy to hate. Yes. And I, this book was a total five out of five for me. Yes. And <laughs> we didn't really talk a lot about like the phase where they're living together because he is like he's like this beast that kind of lives in the bathroom yeah. like he sleeps and lives in the bathtub and she just brings him food like like she's like a owner of him like like he's her pet yeah. and she's like time for your feed and it was just hilarious i know like just some of the things that she kind of like the decisions that she makes concerning him just kind of don't make sense simply based on like how disgusting the guy is i mean he has like tooth decay and he stinks. She literally has to ask him to take a shower when they come <laughs> oh, into yeah. the apartment. And then she talks about how like his his underwear was like like reeks. Yeah. Oh my god. And she's like, but it makes sense that this dude comes to live with me because society's pressures dictate that I should be with a man, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though this fucking thing is barely qualified to be called that. Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. It, was... it, it, it's infuriating at times but it had such a unique japanese charm i would even yeah obviously like it happens in japan it's written by a japanese author but it has like a feel of that yeah it has almost this nostalgic feel even though we've never been to japan i have no connection to japan but it just it feels like such a cute lifestyle just to be a a convenience store worker and everyone's so polite and, and there's a process you follow and it's just really cute. Like yeah. it just seems like such a quaint, simple life that is so lovely. I mean, and from a different perspective, it, it really is kind of a commentary on the stupidity of our society and of our own perception about things that are deemed to be lowly or lesser. In terms of your occupation or your socioeconomic status or your... Just your ambitions in life. Yeah, or your If you don't have fancy, like, oh, I want to accomplish this and this and this and this, you might not have any fancy goals, but that's okay. Or or to get married or have kids, you know, like, whatever goals they may be, like, professional or otherwise. Like, these roles are absolutely necessary. I mean, like, we've seen this thing through the the COVID-19 pandemic that... All the grocery stores and all the healthcare workers and all the pharmacy people and and Just everybody retail, like exactly everybody they were labeled with like essential worker labels and hero pay that lasted like nothing and all this recognition that was okay when was that when these people are like barely making a living where is that sort of appreciation when we recognize that those roles are integral and necessary for society to keep turning. And we consider them at the same time, in the same breath, we are okay with saying, like, those aren't good jobs. Well, fuck me, they should be, you know? Just because, like, you work at a convenience store or at a pharmacy doesn't mean that, like, you should be looked down upon. Like, quite the opposite. You should be fucking... Definitely, at at the very least, remunerate... At the very least, paid enough to live a good life. I mean, like, if those people strike across the planet, the fucking thing stops working. Like, our our like our world goes up in flames. Exactly. You know? 
Like, if the so-called essential workers are so essential, why the fuck are they paid as if they are not, mm-hmm. you know? Or why are they implicitly looked down upon or implicitly said to be terrible jobs? Yeah, and we always like, assume that people must, oh, they're probably don't want to be doing this forever and they must want to get a new job. But, and I would say most people probably, yeah, do want to move on, but there must be some people that are like Keiko that are just, they like what they do. So sue me, you know, it's easy to assume that like, I agree with you that these people obviously, at least I'm not sure how the pay works in Japan, like how convenience store workers are paid there. It's a first world country, so it's definitely not a fantastic job, but yeah. like, you should be making enough money. Yeah, like, like I agree that people should be paid, uh, of course, a living wage. And yeah, that would maybe entice some people that, that they enjoy what they do, but they feel that they can't keep that job just because it doesn't pay enough. So, of course, yeah, they should be paid Everyone a should. livable wage. Like there's, yeah, that's just, there's no arguing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I fucking loved it. I thought it was great. I'll probably reread this in a year or two because it was lovely. It was really cute. It's really short. It's a short, like, honestly, you could read this in four or five hours, probably. Fuck, less than that. Less than that, maybe. If you read fast, yeah, Yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's a quick read. I, I think everyone should pick this up. It's a really cute, simple story, but it makes you think a lot, and it has really interesting ideas it's very unassuming in everything that makes up its presentation even the title it's so cute and quaint but at the same time i can see so many people just like passing passing it by passing by it yeah or just yeah discounting it ignoring it looking past it or whatever so many people looking past it but it was fantastic we didn't even acquire it for the apartment library we got it from the actual library. Yes. <laughs> so maybe we should take that one and make it a part of our collection at the apartment library. I think we should. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope you enjoyed. I can do the thing if you laugh. Sorry. It's okay. I'll just cut it out, sweetie. It's okay. Okay. I'm good. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. This book was fucking great. <laughs> Go out and get it. Please stop laughing. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Our, our readers and listeners will, will forgive you. Okay, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us what you thought. If you have any recommendations, if you have any comments, send us an email to apartmentlibrarypodcast at gmail.com. We can't hear. We can't hear. Motherfucker. We can't wait to hear from you. And we hope you read this book. And if you did, let us know what you thought. Mm-hmm.